Thank you for listening to this edition of the Christian Car Guy podcast. It's brought to you by Mr. Quick Pick Lock and Road. Mr. Quick Pick is the opportunity for you to start your own roadside assistance business. If you have more investment energy than investment capital, stop working for someone else. Mr. Quick Pick Lock and Road is the opportunity to have your own home-based business, working directly with auto clubs and leveraging a national brand and marketing strategy. Mr. Quick Pick helps people who have run out of gas, lock their keys in their car, or need a jump start. An A-plus rated company with a Better Business Bureau and the three-time winner of the Member's Choice Award for customer service. This could be the chance you've been looking for to serve others at the point of crisis and even share your walk with Christ. So whether you're looking for a business opportunity or in need of emergency roadside assistance, choose Mr. Quick Pick Lock and Road, mrquickpick.com. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast of the Christian Car Guy Radio Show. You don't know how to tell the truth, truth, truth. You don't know how to tell the truth. Christian Car Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. You got to nip it in the bud. Negotiations Bible style. Bible style. Bible, 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 Bible. Negotiation Bible style. See the USA in your Chevrolet. So lie, lie, you're telling a lie. I never know why you don't know how to tell the truth. To tell the truth today on the Christian Car Guy Show, <laughs> looking back over a lifetime connected to the car business, would you believe those words are actually life-giving? I mean, just to tell the truth seems so simple, but can I share how the world complicates that for a young person going into, say, car sales <laughs> or part sales or even a service advisor or even used part sales, Bob? It's complicated. And... All of your so-called friends, now just, just picture you're going into that field and all of your so-called friends, relatives, etc. what are they going to say you to when you tell them, look, I'm going into car sales? Well, those people probably say, I guess they'll teach you to be a liar. And of course, Hollywood, they get, they get behind that with movies like, you know, used cars. I don't know if any of you saw that movie or Cadillac Man and TV commercials like Joe Azuzu. It's all hilarious, right? Oh, Believe me, I laugh too, but there is no getting away from the curses literally being spoken over you. Years ago, when I started this show, whenever someone mentioned the name of this show, they would say it isn't, isn't that an oxymoron, a Christian car guy? Is that, is that doesn't, those words don't seem to go together. Well, that's what those are saying to you on the outside if you're that fledgling car person. But what are they teaching you there inside the car business? Well, can I share that I know one of the first things I was taught, and I went on to quote weekly and even daily, and even I taught this concept myself when I was training new people, and, and here was what we taught them. Buyers are liars. It was one of the basic principles taught everywhere. Buyers are liars. 
Maybe you've heard it. <laughs> and here's how it's taught. The guy who, you know, this is what they'll teach you in Car Sales 101. The guy who walks in and says, I'm not buying a car today. That's the guy who's going to buy a car. I'm telling you, buyers are liars. And the, and the sales managers beat this into the salespeople's heads. It's sales. It's really car sales 101. And I assure you, it's repeated in most every showroom across the country at least once a week. So, yes, it's pretty easy to see how fledgling, how our fledgling falls into this whole concept of liar. And it's okay because the customers are lying to us, right? <laughs> then when it comes to the 40th person this week, right? You're, you're this young car salesperson. And the 40th person this week asks you, what's your best price? And, of course, this guy, he's seen the same cars be sold for 10 different prices in the last two months. And so... And he knows there were 10 different reasons that those people got 10 different prices. So what comes out of his mouth when he's asked that question may even surprise him. He's, he's caught up. There seems to be no way out. No way to tell the truth. But there is. And it actually came 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Because he is the bread of life and he is the truth. And those have a connection I want to get to today. And I have an opportunity. <laughs> I, I have, it was kind of cool what, what I got to do this week, Bob, as I was a friend of mine as a pastor of Peace Church in Durham. And he asked me if I could do the sermon leading up to the communion on December 4th there. And so I started thinking through communion and studying that. And as I did, I started to see something unveil, and I connected a whole bunch of dots, and I'm hoping you'll stay with me here because I want to go through this just briefly so you can get kind of where I want to go with the show today, and you can kind of call in with your idea for me. So you may remember that Jesus, when after he had fed the 5,000, made this statement that eating his flesh and drinking his blood would be something that all of us would do. And it quarter separated the men from the boys, right? I mean, <laughs> a lot of them left right then. But the scriptures are filled with this idea of eating words, right? Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they got to eat a scroll, as did John in Revelation. In Deuteronomy 8, I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but he's, you know, when they were, you know, starving in the desert, he humbled you and let you go hungry and he fed you with manna which you had never known or your fathers had ever known, so that he might make you know that man lives not by bread alone. Right? This is what Jesus quoted in the desert, right? But man lives from everything that proceeds out of the mouth of Jehovah. Right? Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. First Timothy 4 says, if you lay these things before the brothers, you'll get a good minister of Jesus Christ being nourished with the words of faith. Hebrews 6, 5, I've tasted the word of God and the powers of the age to come. I mean, it's all through the scriptures. It's, it's, it's all there. So how did we get into this whole lying mess to begin with? <laughs> it was actually, if you think about it, Kim, Bob, it was our ancestors' bad eating habits. <laughs> right? They ate the forbidden fruit. And so here's where I connected a few more dots this week. In reality, Eve ate some bad fruit the moment she bought into Satan's innuendo that God was holding out on her, right? She was saying, oh, you know, gods are liars. 
That's what Satan was telling her. And I wonder if you would agree with me that as the father of lies told her, surely you won't die, only by her belief having eaten Satan's words, right? She ate those words. Before she ever ate the fruit, she bought this concept that God was holding out on her, and that was a lie. So now let's get back to our fledgling car person or real estate person or whoever. What happens when you eat the bad fruit, right? If you buy into that buyers are liars or car salespeople are liars or politicians are liars or lawyers are liars, what are you telling me? Are you telling me really that those people are made in Satan's image? No, that's a lie. Spit it out. It's bad fruit. Spit it out. It's bad. It's not true. This is not true. And if you buy it, not only are you, are you speaking that over these people, but in a way it's a self-fulfilling philosophy. I mean, you begin to speak that into people's lives and what kind of fruit are you going to eat when, you, when you're eating bad fruit? So go back to Adam and Eve for a minute here. What happened after they ate the lies? What happened? You remember what Adam said to God when he found him in the, in the garden? He said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Right? He ate the bad fruit, and what happened? He became aware. Right. And he, that he was naked, and so he had to hide. And so guess what? When you're out there on a car lot with that young salesperson, and maybe a person has never bought a car before, both people feel naked, so they hide. And how do they hide? By I'm not buying a car today. <laughs> yeah, by whatever it is they say that may be not incomplete, you know. But what is it that we are Christians are supposed to have grace, right? The answer is we need clothes. And those clothes just like for Adam and Eve, are washed in the blood, in our case, in the blood of Jesus Christ, so we don't feel naked and we start blaming everybody for everything. I mean, here is our chance as Christians, right, to stand for the truth, to understand what the truth is, and to show favor and grace for those people who are hiding and realize that they're just simply hiding, and how can we help that person point them to what is the truth? So here's my challenge. Now I got done with it. I told you, Bob, I was going to do a bit of a monologue, which is unusual for me, but it's the only way I know to get this out there because what I want you to do today is spit out some bad fruit that you might have eaten because essentially when you make those agreements with Satan, you are, you are planting bad seeds. And so what's bad fruit is in your industry? Maybe, you know, I, I'm just telling you, I was in the car business a long time and I didn't even realize until I began writing this this morning and working on this process, the bad fruit that I had eaten over the years and what I needed to spit out because I've made these agreements for the father of lies and I know they're lies. I know they're lies. What lies have you bought? 866-348-7884. Maybe you think I'm all wet. You can call in and tell me that too. Whatever. 866-348-7884. Call in and share. What lie would you like to spit out that all so-and-sos are such-and-such? What is that? What is that? Call us and share with us. We've also got our Jesus Labor Love update. i got to tell you about our widow's dilemma that's been solved. You're going to, it's unbelievable what God's doing. we got an appraisal by The Real Black Book that's coming up about a salesman who spit out a lie. You're going to love it. Got so much more. Christian Car Guy Show coming up.
We're telling the truth today on the Christian Car Guy Show. Welcome, I'm Robbie Dillmore, your host, and we have with us Bob, our Christian Junkyard Guy from 109. You pull it, and most of all, we're glad we have you listening today. And we would love to hear the lie that you feel like you would like to spit out or one that you that, that, that maybe you've heard over the years in your industry, whatever that may be, 866 348 Eight eight four eight six six three four. Truth, Bob. Is there something like that in your life? Well, you have got my brain just really rolling over here. There's a lot of opportunity in the used parts business to be deceptive, and and to be mistrusting of others. Um, you know, one of the biggest lies in our industry is uh, somebody might have a might misrepresent the mileage on an engine and such and it's just it's just something that that happens a lot and to maintain integrity you know when you might could just say it has less miles than it does and uh it's just a really a really op- real big opportunity to uh increase profits by telling a lie and i try to encourage everybody you know to, to help maintain the integrity of our business and and some people don't mind the higher mile stuff if they can like come hear the engine, but transmissions are the iffiest thing. And um, you know, and, and there's other areas where when people are returning stuff to us, you know, it's we, we automatically get suspicious. Ah, ah, they they opened it up, they got the goodie out out of it, and and they're bringing it back, or they just found it cheaper, and we get suspicious right away, and. And it's, you know, it's just some of the demons that we fight with. And, yeah, you're uh, looking for those agreements. And, you know, let me show you, it, share how that plays out for, it, many know that we do the Jesus Labor Love, and I really do have a great update to share with you here in a minute. But because I do a lot of interviews on the Jesus Labor Love, that's car repair labor for single moms, widows, and families in crisis, I have a chance to hear the story of a lot of the applicants and what's going on. Well, many times as I listen to the story, this isn't just happened once, but several times that the, the lady telling me will begin to tell me how, it, you know, this car place fixed my car and they messed up my car. And then I took it over to this place and they messed up my car and they made my car worse. And then I took it over to this place. And, and after I hear about seven, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that there are people that have like 10 or 15 stories along these same lines. In each case, they ever took the car to anybody. Those people right? They messed up their car. And, and you can't help but see that it's to some extent they went in there expecting that these people were going to mess up their car. And you know, that was the bot lie that they bought at some level at some point. And so, <laughs> you know, what they saw play out in front of their minds is, is this judgment. And to an extent they reap, they reap what they've sown. You know, they, they, they bought that lie. They went in agreement that God's heart's not good, meaning that the people's heart's not good because they represent God and, and all these things happen as a result. And I would love to know your story along those lines. 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. We have Tracy is in Raleigh, North Carolina. She has a car question for us. Tracy, you're on the Christian Car Guy Show. Good morning. 
Good morning. I got a. Um, I have a question. Uh, I you could say I bought into a lie um, buying this car. Um, I have a, a 2014 Ford Focus. Um, I am upside down about eight thousand dollars. Oh wow! Would it be? I'm trying to decide whether I want to get out the car, which I'm having a hard time doing. Um. But if I decide to keep the car, would it be safe to add the extra warranty protection on it? Well, there is a great I, I really appreciate you calling in and telling the truth, by the way, of, of the situation. You know, that that takes courage, <laughs> which we appreciate a lot. But so many people are in that situation, Tracy. You would be shocked at how many. In fact, that's a lot of the reason I started this show was I saw it every day. People were in these bad situations like that, and people keep trading them into more cars and more cars, and they keep upping the amount of negative equity until it gets to like that. So my answer is, yeah, one of the best ways to get out from underneath a bad situation like that is it if it's 72 payments or whatever and it's affordable at the end of that period of time, you will then have probably a very reliable car because cars will go three or 400,000 miles or even 500,000 miles. You'll probably have a very reliable car that you took care of, and it will be paid for. And you know, It's just a matter of being patient and, and, and paying it out. But as to the warranty, you know, those things, I don't know that I am a big supporter of them because they simply are a, a form of insurance. And again, it depends on your personal budget. If you can't afford to make the car payment and all, you know, five years down the road, if you're still paying on the car, then all of a sudden it needs a major repair. You're not in a position to do that. You may consider a warranty, but I would never consider one that wasn't, if it's a Ford Focus, I would get a Ford warranty. If it was a GM car, I would get a GM warranty. I wouldn't buy any of the off-brand warranties because there's no dealer body to come back and, and help you out. But I'm not even, you know, in most cases, I don't recommend the warranties. But if your budget is so restricted to just, wow, all I can make is my car payment and I'm going to be making this car payment for seven years and the car is going to be out of warranty at some point in that period, yeah, you might want to consider making a, making a, uh, buying a warranty. But if the car will be paid out while they're still under warranty, then I would just start setting aside money for maintenance and, 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 and having that in your budget as, as ready to pay for it. But the easiest way, if you can afford to make the payments to get out from being upside down, is just simply to pay that car off and keep it. It will last. To answer okay. your question. Okay. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. God bless you. I appreciate you calling in. That's a common situation. It's tough, Bob. But, you know, God, will, I've been out, I've been in upside down in houses and whatever. And the, the way out is to, you know, pay your way out sometimes. Patience and persistence. Right. Right. Well, I do want to give you an update. The good news on the Jesus Labor Love is we did for the last couple of weeks. Well, I'll have to do it after the break. The, 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 the widow that lost her husband two years ago with a car up in Virginia with a blown engine. Oh, I've got a great update on that one. And we have some more of these where you buy into lies in the car sales, where you buy lies in the car repair, all those things coming at you on a Christian Car Guy. Stay tuned.
Oh my, to tell the truth today on the Christian Car Guy Show, what is it that you might have bought into? What would be an agreement that you made with a lie that you can spit out and begin to ask Jesus to come in and, and, and fill that place in your life with some truth? Did you say people used to encourage you to lie? <laughs> Isn't it oh. amazing what an effect that has? I mean... Not giving my brothers crap or anything, but they used to encourage me to to be deceptive when it come to uh, what we were going to tell mom and dad. And I kind of was trained to be a liar at a very early age. And uh, it became, it got to the point where I had some real serious truth issues, you know, when, when you're just conditioned from an early age. And my mom told me one time, says, son, what is wrong with you? He says, you'll tell a lie when the truth will be in your favor <laughs> because you, you've just been trained to lie so. And, uh, you know, she didn't really realize and think back on it that, you know, the other two is, well, we can't tell mom and dad the truth. Here's what we're going to tell them, you know. And a little later in life, we shared that and uh, had a really good laugh about it. And, and uh, But it was a problem for me at an early early age. Yeah, I mean, it's something, but we got to, it, it's an interesting thing to think through and process. What is it that's underneath this? And go and ask Jesus, what lie am I believing? And, you know, you, you're friends with the best, smartest man in the, I mean, the God of the universe, you know, why not ask him to help you come out with those lies that you may have bought into? We have Deborah is in Seattle's got a used car question for us. Deborah, you're on a Christian Car Guy show. Good morning. Well, Good morning. I have a truth and lie question, I think. Not exactly like you're aiming for, but on Thanksgiving, my brother, um, I'm a widow by myself. I have a 1990 Corolla, and it's like a kitten, and I just love that car. But whenever I'm with my brother, he keeps telling me, you need a new car. You need a new car, and I tell him the truth. No, I don't. I listen to the Christian car guys, and <laughs> <laughs> I was a reliable car, I like it, and, but this Thanksgiving, he hit me with this, and I don't know if it's a truth or a lie, airbags. He says, your 1990 does not have airbags, and if you got hit, that could change your life big stuff. And that was the first comeback he's given to me that I began to pause. And I don't know how you've kind of thought about that in your head about older cars. Well, you know, that's a, it is a great point and there's nothing more valuable, you know, from God's point of view than our life. You know, that's, that's serious stuff. And, you know, I thought that 90 Toyotas had a pastor's, a driver's side airbag, don't they? No. It doesn't have a driver's side airbag? Not mine. It's basic Corolla. It's not a deluxe or any. Okay. Well, then I think that's a legitimate reason to think through, wow, if I get a newer car, they are safer. There's no doubt. They have uh, a lot of safety things that that weren't involved in that. And, yeah, that is a legitimate thing to pray through, Deborah. I would say that if in any way, shape, or form you do not feel like that's safe, then that could be God leading you to say, hey, it's time to get something a little safer. But make sure you don't get uh, one of the ones that needs the airbag replaced in it already, because they have, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, they have the big, <laughs> they have the big uh, uh, airbag recall going on right now. So make sure you you're diligent about that. 
Yeah, which you can go to our website and you can put in the VIN number of any car there under the airbag recall, and it will tell you if it's if it's one of those. If you're looking at one as a used car, but I I like that question, Deborah. That's a great question, and I do think that that um that it may be God saying you you need to be safe. Oh, you guys are the best. <laughs> I have to tell you, I jump on the Pacific Coast. You know, you're a little earlier in the morning, not super early, but earlier. And I always jump out to hear you. So thank you so much, gentlemen, for letting me call you today. Oh, well, thank you. God bless. That's you wonderful. Too. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye now. Yeah, and I, you might remember that on, we had Rachel. She was in 86 when she started out. Her car had 400 and whatever thousand miles on it. I think it was a 1966 uh, Mercury. I'm trying to remember what it was. But, you know, clearly... From a safety standpoint, it didn't have a lot of features. It probably didn't even have decent shoulder harnesses. But, you know, those were her choices, and she lived out her life. She's gone to be with the Lord now, and that car kept her safe all those years. So, you know, I can't speak to that, but if God's putting it on your heart to, that you need a safer car, there is no doubt that they have made leaps and bounds safety-wise, you know, over the years of, of those kind of things. But, again... That's the cool thing about having a Savior that we have is we can go to him in prayer. And I, and I want to get to this widow situation, speaking of prayer, because you know, every once in a while, one of these applicants gets in here that, that, that comes through that really just touches my heart. And, and I just start praying, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because we don't have all that many resources we talked about before. You know, lots of you have been generous, and I'm so thankful for the gifts that have come in. But when somebody comes in and they need a complete engine, and their cars stayed away, and you know you're talking about thousands of dollars of repairs and all that. So we had this one that we've been talking about for three weeks, and I was like, Lord, this lady's got. She lost her husband two years ago, and I've just heard her story, and and and, you know, when you're helping people, you get a sense of their heart too, and it's, it, it's sometimes honestly, Bob, a little bit harder to, to help people that are, really afraid and they're, really anxious. But this lady, every time I talk to her, Robbie, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I'm communicating guy up in Virginia that's got the car, that he's hanging on to it, and I just know God's going to come through. And she was just, oh, I just cannot tell you. Well, we had found an engine at Bob's that had 213,000 miles, and we were trying to figure out a way to pay for that. And we were trying to find somebody that could put the engine in, and, and, and it was kind of interesting how this week, as I prayed even harder, the Lord put something on my heart that I could do to actually help. And so without getting into what I did, I did that. <laughs> and almost immediately, almost immediately after I prayed and I did what God asked me to do, then the door just swung wide open. She came up with like AAR. There was something that came up that was going to tow the car down from Virginia. And then Bob got a different engine and only had 133,000 miles. Yeah, Bob, you're right. I was a little concerned about the. I'd even told Terry, please don't, let's not use this engine for this cause because that's just an extremely, yeah, uh, extreme amount of miles on, on an engine for that particular vehicle. Now, some of the vehicles with 200,000, you don't blink because they're just so solid, but this is not one of those. And I was like, Terry, please just know what look, find it somewhere. And, uh, and, and it really surprised me that they found it at our place because, you know, our first, our first search did not, you know, 
Yeah, does that. God just, it was like boom, boom, boom. Uh, Joe Abandola, Abandola Automotive in Greensboro. I just have to tell you, I mean, what a, an amazing thing. He, he, of course, it may take a few weeks for him to do it, but he's going to put that engine in for that lady at no charge. I mean, that's phenomenal. This stuff, it all came in. God brought it together. Your gifts come in. And we're so grateful for those. And again, it's the Jesus Labor Love. It's 238 SARA, S-A-U-R-A, Lane in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, zip codes 27107. Always want to say that in case you want to mail in a gift. You can obviously give it our website, christiancarguy.com, as well as find out all about the Jesus Labor Love, car repair labor for single moms, widows, and families in crisis. There was another one this week that just got, you know, that it was a single mom, really a 2000 Acura, and her church got involved, the repair center got involved, and, and you just want to cry, Bob. You just want to say, look what God did in the midst of this crisis, and then he comes through, and in both those cases, this is often the case, the recipient is like saying, it's Thanksgiving, and what a time to thank God because he has come through for me, and God came through in such a big way, and I'd have no way to explain to anybody it was like to hear this lady's Thanksgiving for what God had done for him uh, uh, through this, through the, what these situations are. It's awesome. Good stuff, brother. It's amazing. He can do it all. It really is, and sometimes, <laughs> honestly, I have to spit out, you know, some of the lies that I am believing that, oh, nobody's going to help. You know, I'm not going to find anybody that was going to do this, you know, so I don't try. You know, you did a whole show on that, Bob, that, you know, if you make an agreement that this isn't possible, well, then you, you're going to struggle with that agreement. But, you know, years ago, somebody shared with me that Jesus said to the disciples when he told them to go get the donkey, you know, the Lord has need of it. That was all they had. They didn't, you know. And they went to get a donkey that's like horse thieving, right? And what did they say? Well, Lord has need of it. Well, it's amazing how that's a key to the kingdom. When you go to people and say, well, I need this. The Lord has need of it. They'll give you a donkey. They'll give you a Cadillac. It's amazing sometimes what, what God will do if you just trust him with, with what that is. Well, I got a story on the other side of this I want to share about a salesman who had believed a whole bunch of stuff. And we got that coming up on the other side of this break. The voice of truth, and we, <laughs> you know, we work at the Truth Network, so that's a big part of my life. Obviously, is the voice of truth. After years of being, <clears throat> you know, seeped in some of these lies and other things like that, how can you help the Lord or ask the Lord for that voice of truth to speak it to me? Help me to drown out the lies and see what is actually the truth in a situation, and we're going to share that in our appraisal by the Real Black Book, but Bob, you got a big event that's going on today you want to talk about. There's, you know, it's that time of year, and I know everybody's not in North Carolina, but if you happen to be in North Carolina today, there's It is parade. that time of year, and every year we have two events. We help out with a lot, and uh, in the past few years, we've been able to get it on TV, but with the 
political situation this year. There was just not much TV available. <laughs> but uh, the uh, Midway Christmas Parade, we do a food drive for the North Davidson Food Pantry, and uh, we've already had some donors. And uh, we take up canned food items going down through the parade. And we also take up some money, and we found a corporate sponsor this year. And for every dollar that's given uh, today going through the parade, we found a corporation to uh, sponsor a, a match. They're going to match every dollar we take up. And so uh, we're really hoping to have a good response. And also would like to mention the, um, the Lions Club in Thomasville. We'll be uh, sponsoring, uh, helping out with the Embers Christmas uh Show. Yeah, which is, by the way, awesome. Awesome Christmas show. That's next Sunday, there. I think at 3 o'clock. I, I should have got my information a little better. We'll put something on the website here, though. And, it uh, is. At the Embers, definitely worth going to by all means, plus supporting a good cause. Well, moving on to our appraisal by the Real Black Book. Uh, that's where we search the Bible for hidden treasure. Cry out for discernment. Lift up our voice for understanding. Well, uh, this is one of those stories that I... I share every so often because I just feel like it has so much, uh, you know, God taught me, God taught me so much through it, but you know, sometimes we believe really subtle lies that are being told to us. And we got this person we've worked with for years and years and years. And that person never wants, you know, the lie that I bought into in this particular case is, you know, he was really a hard guy. He was been a car salesman for over 50 years. And I just believe there was no way that he would ever listen to me, talk about Jesus. I just had bought that lie that this guy was too hard. He was, he just, and I had known him for years and admired him and knew him to be an honest person and for, you know, a good, from a standpoint, a lot of reasons he was good, but I also knew he did not have any understanding of Jesus or have a relationship with him in every way. So I've been trying to figure out for years exactly how to approach that. Well, you didn't realize how thirsty he was, huh, bro? <laughs> I didn't. Well, then one day he came into my office and knocked on the door and said, Robbie, I need to talk to you. And I, I was very, very busy. We were building a new building at the time. And you know what that's like, Bob? And he says, Robbie, I have pancreatic cancer. And see, I, I'm a cancer survivor. You may have heard that in my own story. And I was like, well, Johnny, I'll pray for you. It was my golden opportunity to witness to Johnny. And I totally blew it because I was in such a hurry. But I said it was his moment where he really wanted to talk about things of eternity. But I was in a hurry and I didn't say anything. And about a week later, actually two weeks later, I got a call from his wife that Sunday night that he was in intensive care. They didn't think he was going to make it through the night. Would I please come? So I come down there and shortly after I get there, the doctor comes in the room and says, you know, she, he probably doesn't have but an hour or so to live. Who do you want to come in there with you? Asking his wife. And of course, his brothers and sisters, people he's known all his life. And his wife turns to me and she, she says, I want Robbie to come in there because he'll pray. Amen. And I'm like, oh, my word, I don't deserve, you know, because I had a chance. I never would have dreamed that Johnny would have gone downhill so fast and da, da, da. So I went in there and I prayed with him. And when we came back out, I said, Gerald, I said to his wife, do you know, is there any way that Johnny knew Jesus? Maybe I just misunderstood. And she goes, Robbie, I don't know. And his best friend was there, Bruce Rollins. And I asked Bruce, did Johnny know Jesus? And Bruce says, I don't think so. He, 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 he got in a fight with a pastor at another church years ago and he never, you know, he didn't want to ever talk about it. So I was in a real dilemma. 
and he was in a coma and it wasn't long. You know, the doctor said, well, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Well, he did make it through the night. And that morning I went out and I began to pray in my car and I actually kind of made a deal with God. I said, God, I don't know what I've, you know, I've totally blown it. I know now I had a chance to share Jesus with this man, but I didn't. If there's any way that you would spare his life, I promise I'll introduce him to you or get him to know you better or whatever. I'm going to sow some seeds in the man's life. Well, that was the first day. And the doctors came in and said, well, I think he's, he's, he's really gone. You may consider pulling the plug. And I was like, don't pull the plug. Don't pull the plug. Please don't, don't, don't. I, I feel like God's going to do something. And this went on for three days or actually a total of four days that he was in this coma-like situation. And on the fourth day, he sits up in the bed, Bob, like you're looking at me right now. I mean, he just sits up, and he's like, what's going on? And he was totally, it wasn't like he'd been in a coma for four days or whatever. He just sits up in the bed, and he's like, what's going on? And and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my word. You know, what am I going to do now? And I actually went back out and prayed again, like, okay, God, <laughs> you know, you obviously did your part of this. What, what's my part, you know? And I said, what am I, now what do I say to him? How do I do this? Because I was, and God told me, Robbie, Johnny's a car salesman. And that was all he needed to tell me because I knew something inherently to a car salesman. We have other things that we buy into, but one thing we, we definitely believe is a deal is a deal. And so I go into Johnny and I said, Johnny, I made a deal with God. And he was looked at me in this old, you know, Davy County kind of stubborn way that he would look at me. What kind of deal did you make with God, Robbie? <laughs> I was like, well, I said, if he would give you some more time that I would share Jesus with you. And Johnny looked at me and he goes, well, you better get to it. <laughs> <laughs> And so I started taking Johnny through the book of John. And every day I'd go up to his hospital room later when he got out of the hospital, he went home. I started coming to his house and I'm going through the gospel of John and I'm doing all the I am statements. I'm the bread of life. Like we talked about today. I'm the truth. You know, we did, we did these. And when we get to Lazarus, you know, you know, being raised from the dead, that's where Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. And I, we, we talked about it that day, and I went on home. I didn't think anything more about it. When I came back to Johnny's house that next morning, there were cars everywhere. And I thought, oh, you know, when you see a bunch of cars, <laughs> I'm thinking Johnny's gone, you know, because there's all these cars. But when I get there, instead, his whole family's in there. This good friend of mine who happened to be the pastor of another church there was there kind of surprising, and, and, and his name was Jimmy Lancaster. And Jimmy says, Johnny, tell Robbie what's happened. And he goes, well. When you left yesterday, after you talked about Lazarus being, you know, in the grave four days, my sister came in and she handed me all these Gaither CDs and I stick the first one in there and the very first song that plays is four days late, but right on time. And as I was listening to that song, I realized that I was in a coma for four days. Wow. And I came back out and he accepted Christ right then. And can I tell you? He was a different man. He didn't live but about three or four weeks after that. But if you would have known Johnny before and after, it was it was miraculous. I have something he wrote. God has that effect on people. He does. (laughs) (laughs) He believed the truth. And what a change it made in in my life. And again, that story is at ChristianCarGuy.com, as well as a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. 
resources there, the Jesus Labor Love. It's all there at ChristianCarGuy.com. We hope you go there. We thank you for listening today. We hope that you'll spit out some bad fruit, take in some truth, and remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went and got it all done in 33 years. And Bob, I hope you guys have a great parade today. Uh, everything will go as God planned. Amen. Amen.